Hello, and welcome to Working Title, a podcast where two writer friends stumble through books we love looking for writing secrets. I'm Leah, and confession, I've just been fully Pinterest boarding, making playlists, doing vibey things. Yes. <laughs> clipping out. I've been reading a lot of poetry. Ooh, yes, please. Yeah, and I keep finding little couplets or stanzas that I'm like, this reminds me of my book. It would make such a great epigraph uh, <laughs> instead of writing, but no, 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 it, it feeds into it. No, no, no. Those for sure count as writing. I'm big believer. Writing is a many fold, many faceted thing. Doing the vibey things that get you excited to do your writing and make you think about your story also counts as writing doesn't move your worth word count worth count that was fun doesn't move your word count but it does count as writing thank you for the validation i feel like it just helps to get into the into the mood remind yourself of something else i've been doing is going back to my list that i wrote at the beginning of this project of things that i thought were the heart of the story Mm -hmm. And some of those things have changed, but some of them I also feel like I need needed to be reminded of. Yeah. Um. And there's one one poem. It's by uh, Khaled Matawa. And um, there was one part that I clipped. I'm, I'm gonna read it yes. because I just I'm so I'm so into poetry. More poetry right on oh podcast. God. Always a good idea. Yes, and poets.org really comes through with their daily poems. Sometimes I've seen you vibe but, into those. <laughs> I have retweeted them so many times. It's because they're they're so good, and I'm really fascinated as a writer by particular turns of phrase, mm-hmm. by really interesting uses of imagery. Yep. Um, and that's what poems are are really good at. Uh, so he wrote, "Why would we hide from the sun again, or fear the night sky after we've reached the ends of darkness?" Live in death again after all the life our dead have given us. Oh, shit. I know. I really like that. You should send that to me. (laughs) I will. Actually, you could even drop it in the notes for this episode in case there are other people (laughs) listening who just went, oh, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they should. And that's not even. There's so many other good parts of this poem. uh, And it just, oh, so good. That's beautiful. I'm so glad that you've been like taking the time and finding all of this great stuff to just like feed all of the creative energy Mm -hmm. it's been a good good time refreshing that's good we all need that Mm -hmm. i am dana uh and this week this has been a very interesting writing week for me um in a very positive way but also in a way that feels a little uh weird and witchy my favorite kind (laughs) Oh, yes, the best kind. So I have been doing, uh, we are recording this in February, and I have been doing Flash Fiction February, where I've been writing a little Flash Fiction, thanks to a prompt from the Storytelling Collective every day. Mm -hmm. I've missed a couple days, but I've caught up. I haven't missed more than one day in a row, and I always have caught up. But it's been really satisfying and a really good, just like, quick boost of feeling like I get to be creative and feeling like I get to write, even though a lot of times like I spend 10 minutes on it in a day. It's not been a big thing. Right. And just last night, I uh, 
was moving my tarot decks around and I was like, oh, I should pull a card because I've been sitting here and feeling like I've been really creative, but I haven't been working on my big work in progress. Right. I mean, a little bit. Some of the flash fiction things have been like, oh, this is basically a scene from that. But a lot of it hasn't been. It's been from a lot of different ideas or new ideas. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, feeling a little restless. Maybe I'll pull a card and be like, what should I be focusing on from a writing and a creative perspective? Oh, my God. And uh, the card I drew was death, which sounds way worse than it is. (laughs) Yeah. Because the death card in tarot usually actually represents like transformation and all this good stuff. Mm -hmm. But the best part about it was I was using a tarot deck, uh, the Divine Tarot deck by Yoshi Yoshitani, um, which is a beautiful deck and I love. And each of the cards is representative of a global, like, folktale or myth. Ooh. So the thing that I love most about this was not so much that it was the death card, but the folktale that it was representing was, like, the original Norwegian folktale that was like the basis of uh east of the sun and west of the moon and all those stories where like a bride is living with mysterious husband whose face she Mm. never sees and -hmm. someone's like don't trust him and then she goes to look and it the candle burns him and he's like we were about to break the curse but you couldn't wait you couldn't trust me and therefore everything's fucked and you have to do all these other challenges to like make it right (laughs) Yeah, now for your triathlon. Now for your triathlon to get your <laughs> husband back. Because you're like, wait, he's actually, in fact, the person I've been in love with. Awesome. Yeah. I've always enjoyed those stories. And the thing that I've always gotten from them, first and foremost, is like, are you having a good time? Then chill out. And I was like, okay, this feels like, <laughs> this feels like I was like, I'm having a good time. Is that bad? And the tarot deck was like, sit down. Your curse okay. is going to break soon. <laughs> And then I sat down today and wrote almost 4,000 words. So, whoa! (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Not all of them were original words from today. Some of them were editing. I've been, like, doing these flash fiction pieces by hand. And so some of that word count was, like, actually typing them into the document. Yeah. But but it it always feels nice when you see that big number, even though you're like, a lot of those I've been writing slowly over time. (laughs) So it felt, it felt very good. And it felt, it felt like a special little reward for like, yeah, don't, because I was, I was getting anxious at myself for like, you're having fun writing these little silly things, but are you really distracting yourself from the big and important work? And then it felt like the card I drew was like, no, (laughs) are you having fun? Are you feeling creative? Are you feeling rejuvenated by your writing and your work? cool then keep going don't worry about it (laughs) it's fine and uh at least this week it super has been so oh that's so great I love I love when you find these little symbols signals from the universe Mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it that just come at just the right time to encourage you because I think what you're describing is something that so many other writers experience totally uh, this feeling that you're you're cheating on your your big project right. somehow that you should only be dedicated to it and that not dedicating all of your creative energy to it means that you're not a real writer TM or whatever. Actually, I I'm part of Lainey Taylor's Patreon, mm-hmm. and she said that she often feels that way, and she kind of has been part of what she's been doing to try to break some of the perfectionist over dedicated self-flagellation tendencies is a 2022 create along 
for mm-hmm. all of the whole community it just is just picking something that they're going to do a little bit of every week. Um, and there are these prompts that we can do, writing prompts, uh, just to remind yourself that being creative doesn't mean you have to give 100% of your energy to one project all the time. Yeah. And in fact, that's not always helpful. Yeah, it's it's not a lot of times how our the creative parts of our brains work best, right? Or they yeah. can for like short periods of time. Then they're like, I'm done now. Thank you. Let me rest. <laughs> Let me rest by Please playing with something else for a second. And it's, yeah, no, it, it was a super good reminder. And I've definitely, I've just like, left that card propped up somewhere so I can see it for for the next couple weeks just to be like okay right chill out you're fine trust that if you are if you're getting joy and fulfillment out of your writing you're doing it right yeah you know like that's there are other pieces to it if you also want to get something published or take any of those other kinds of next steps but I do believe that a fundamental first step is You've got to be able to get joy from your writing, certainly in order to continue at it for whatever length of time you need to try to like get something published or put out mm-hmm. into the world in any meaningful way. You got to do that first step. And so it's like, OK, stop tweaking yourself out. Just trust <laughs> that like you have a good time. Cool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I think this actually leads really well into kind of the theme of our episode yeah uh and also that part of what we're doing here is we're creating something that isn't our big project Mm -hmm. um and on our previous red herring episode we played a writing game to generate some ideas which we're now going to take and build upon those ideas and kind of start a, a draft and expand upon them and then eventually later on, we'll be revising and finishing. Uh, but that's for future us to figure out. We're not going <laughs> to create anxiety where there doesn't need to be any. Um, this week, we're really just going to focus on um, how to start drafting and really build that excitement and joy to carry us through the end. Maybe like a little refresher. When we left the last episode, you were building this idea uh, can you tell us a little bit about what it is and has your relationship changed with that since our last episode? Yeah. No, I definitely when we when we ended our last episode, the kind of story that was coming together for me based on the prompts that you gave me, Leah, was mm-hmm. some sort of an enemies to lovers, like rivals coming together uh because they had to stop a wedding. <laughs> was what came out of it. Possibly some sort of con uh, or other criminal shenanigans going on, but I wasn't quite sure how or if that was going to fit into it. It was giving me very, like, um, modern Benedict and Beatrice uh, from Much Ado About Nothing kind of vibes, except if they were, like, teaming up for something else, which they kind of do anyway. But it wasn't... It was funny because, like, I liked a lot of the – I wrote some snark, right? Because I think mm-hmm. the the exercises that we were doing and the prompt that you gave me was, like, writing a letter where one of them accepts the, the deal to team up even though they hate each other. Yeah. And it was really fun to, like, write this snark. But I've spent, like, the intervening weeks just thinking through and trying to be like, okay, so, like, what's the story? What is the core of this? And I couldn't find it for the longest time. Because I was like, I I like this structure, 
right? These tropes that I'm excited to include, but I didn't feel like I had the why of like why I wanted to write it. You know, someone says enemies to lovers. I'm like, great. I would love to read that. That's a trope that I enjoy. (laughs) Yeah. But like, I don't want to write the thing unless I have a reason that feels like I should write it. And I was struggling to find that and struggling because usually for me that comes with characters. And from the exercise, I just didn't have a clear idea of who those were. Yeah. And um, did a couple of just like thinking exercises to try to be like, what, like, what, why do I like enemies to lovers? Why are rivals an interesting dynamic? Why are cons fun? Um, and then had a, a kind of goofy epiphany about um, there was a character that I came up with for a tabletop role playing game of scum mm-hmm. and villainy. That I was playing with a couple of friends. We didn't really make it past the first like three or four sessions due to like scheduling things. And also it's a really cool like futuristic sci-fi system. And there's a right. whole bunch of mechanics for like running your spaceship. And we just none of us had quite the brain space to like really get into it. So we set it aside. But I had created this character that I really liked who was like a scoundrel, Ooh. queer captain of a smuggling ship. Uh inspired partly by the first uh the original Gundam anime season and partly by <laughs> Top Chef season 10 winner Kristen Kish and <laughs> who had as we like developed early in these games and developed as a group had like an ex-lover rival who was like oh, part yeah. of the military and was constantly trying to track down their you know smuggling spaceship and super vigilant about catching them and it totally made sense to set aside the game, but I had also been kind of bummed because I was like, I really liked that character and this dynamic and all of mm-hmm. these creative ideas that I had come up with and that the group had come up with. And then I was like, oh shit, no, these are the guys that are teaming up. <laughs> it's it's these two characters that I didn't really get to play with, but now I'm just going to take them and write them in this situation where I already know this backstory that I came up with for a game. Right. And I got so much more excited about trying to figure out what this would look like as soon as I was like, oh, these are people that I want to stick into it. So some of the things that have changed is that it's sci-fi, for one. (laughs) Um, And that instead of being enemies to lovers, it's much more lovers to enemies. (laughs) Ooh. But I'm really excited about it. So Hey, it's all about the timeline. They could go back to lovers later. One of them certainly wants them to. Ooh, I'm interested. Yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm very jazzed, but that's where that's where I'm at now. What about you, Leah? How where is your idea at? Yeah. So I think just to say, like, there's a writer part of me that fears that I'll never get to use whatever cool idea that I can't quite figure out how to put in. And so it's really mm-hmm. satisfying to find another way to play with that. So I'm really happy for you. Thank you. <laughs> um, one of my other fears is forgetting those ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, it's the classic, do you choose to wake up or not in the middle of the night to write whatever plot problem you just solved? Mm-hmm. And it's there's always just this terrible feeling afterwards, like, I can't believe I didn't write that down. I forgot it. This, this, this is the thing that would have fixed literally all of my book problems. Like you lied, you lied to yourself. I had it. I had the solution. (laughs) Right, exactly. Um, And writing the book will be a breeze from now on. But anyway, so I was thinking about it. I was looking at my notes and I kind of had this thing where I was like, okay, like 
for sure I think I want this to be from the perspective uh, not of the the wisher but the person kind of granting the wishes and for context uh, using the prompts that you gave me there was this kind of uh, like wishing well uh, filled with forgotten things um, and it was their prompts are very ethereal like like burn your story what rises from the ashes that sort of thing so I had this very vibey piece that I was writing and I was looking at all the pieces and I feel like yeah I was like the obvious thing would be to write about someone who's trying to gather some of these forgotten things and and make a wish but uh what about the person who has to deal with all these people all the time (laughs) and uh, I was like really pleased with myself for coming up with the idea and then I listened back to the episode a couple of days ago and I said that exact thing on the episode and I (laughs) did not remember (laughs) So the thing is, even if you forget, you'll get back there eventually. Yeah, if it's if um. it's truly meant, it's the same thing that like that like fucking brutal advice they give you about relationships. If it's meant to be, they'll come back to you. <laughs> the yes. ideas will come back. <laughs> yes, exactly. So I I decided I think I'll keep that, and I still kind of like this idea of having little different mm-hmm. vignettes. And I was trying to think about like let's be clear. I love vibey plotless stories. That's my thing. But I would like to have a little bit of a plot on occasion. Yeah. Um, a little plot as a treat. So yes. So I thought, okay, so all of these people are coming to maybe everyone previous to this, the last vignette or whatever, came to forget things. But mm. the last person comes back and says, I don't know exactly what I forgot, but I feel like I have to remember and how do you reverse that so I think that's kind of what I want to explore and figuring out why this person wants to remember and how the person who's normally helping people forget is gonna kind of change change that and how to build up to that experience but the fun part about my drafting process is like at the beginning I'm like this is what it's about and it just never you find out it's about something else part way through yeah yeah I'm like oh dang it but (laughs) This is part of what we're trying to figure out and we're testing out right now. And so I'd, I'd like to hear a little bit about what is your typical drafting process and how do you really build excitement and get ready for for a long road ahead? Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the I think the obvious first thing is there's probably nothing typical about it. <laughs> I, feel like, <laughs> I feel like everything that I've written has been such a different process. Not least, of course, just being based on like the time and stage of life and all of those kinds of things but some things that I think are consistent about it is that um, I'm a perennial daydreamer and that inevitably long before I put any sort of pen or pencil to paper I spend some sort of time sitting around playing pretend in my head that's generous. There's also plenty of, I've, I'm a retired theater kid. There's also plenty of acting out and making facial expressions, sometimes in the mirror, <laughs> sometimes just alone in my apartment, just uh, no one, just feeling the facial expressions and like getting into uh, these characters in that way, which always feels like such a silly part of the process. And Enough so that I think up until recently, I wouldn't even have called it part of a process. It was just a thing that I did because it was fun. But I do I do really actually think that it is part of the process because that's a lot of when the ideas that become the story come to me is like toying around with this thing and then being like, ooh, 
that's a fun bit of dialogue I invented while trying to, you know, running through comebacks in, you know, my little, little fantasy play that I'm putting on in my head. Maybe I should write that down. And usually that's how I like start to make the transition to at least planning or drafting or something. And it's also the place I can go to when I am scared of writing that also is still like, it still counts as writing. Like that Mm -hmm. is part of it is when I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what scene to start with. I don't know where to begin. I don't know where those things are. But I know there's this one scene that I really like and I'm just going to go play in that scene in my head for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times that's where I'll tease out the things that I'm really excited about, find the places that I want to start or just find other things that I know need to happen where it's like, oh, oh, wait, yes, okay, there there has to be a beach scene or whatever the thing is. Right. Because I want this to happen. It's been particularly interesting when I've written things that are like framed like vignettes and more short stories is that that has been an even bigger part of the process is because like that's been just sitting around and toying with those ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like that's that's usually been my thing. This is also part of why I was such a moody kid and just the absolute <laughs> worst person. You never want to talk to me if we're on like a long car ride. I'm the worst <laughs> passenger on a long car ride because people are like, let's talk, let's chat. I'm like, I want to stare out the window and vibe and tell yeah. stories in my head and you're interrupting. Yes. Um, so. Same. <laughs> yeah, I would get irritated if my parents asked me questions. Yeah. But yeah, like that's, that's I think, a really key part for me of like starting a draft and getting excited about it. And I've been, I've recently been trying, and I feel like we're going to talk a little bit more about this because heads up readers, I have readers, listeners, I have some insight into where we're going in this episode because <laughs> Leah and I get to talk off of mic as well. But um, I've been like trying and experimenting with some other tools for like sitting down and getting creative that yeah. aren't just um, I like a pick crew. I like a pick crew for just <laughs> making a character <laughs> since I'm not an artist. <laughs> yeah. But there's a lot of other cool tools, and I feel like I've spent so much time doing the daydream stuff, and that works for me. But it also is nice when you can do something and then be like, ha-ha, I made a different creative thing that speaks to the creative process. Yeah, one of my favorite, one of the reasons why I've been enjoying reading poetry and also why I have this kind of playlist for my book is I like to look at things and be like, this is about my book now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't <laughs> I don't know what you intended for this, but this these metaphors, uh, they're about my book. So mm-hmm. thank you. Um just gonna put this where it belongs <laughs> in my book playlist. So um there's it's nothing, the same Sorry, okay. yeah, there's there's nothing better than that. There's a hundred percent in the epic fantasy that I still need to cut at some point. There's an entire scene and major plot point that was entirely because I heard a Halsey song for the first time and was like, yes. <laughs> That's my girl. That's going in my book. <laughs> yeah, this is exactly the vibe. So that's it. I think it's also when I'm feeling uncertain, there are certain songs I can go back to mm-hmm. and be like, oh, yeah, this is why I'm doing this. And so I thought it could be maybe a little bit fun to do a little excitement building together yeah. and try out a Pinterest board. I'm here for it. Yes. Let's do it. Uh, So Dana and I are going to take a little bit of time 
to build our own Pinterest board. And you're welcome to pause the episode and build your own as well. I'll have a little bit of a transition music for you. And uh, then we'll come back and we'll talk about all of the amazing vibes we created. Gonna, we're going to really have to flex our search term skills here. <laughs> um, so are you ready to, to dive in and look at all the art online and be like, this is my book now? This is my book now. Yes. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Let's get to creating. How was one of your first Pinterest experiences? Pinterest is like, you want sci-fi? You've only ever used this for fantasy. Are you sure? So there were parts of it. I think it was still very helpful. Let's look. I mostly was just adding. I didn't even go back and like do any editing about like, oh, does this belong here? Whatever. So let's see what I got. Can I see it? I'll share. I'll show you. Yeah. All right. Let's vibes are you looking at mine Mm -hmm. i'm all all about vibes um and it's interesting what you said about like not going back to even look at what you put together and i did the same thing i actually don't find it very helpful to start curating immediately yeah you gotta throw everything at the wall first yeah so there are definitely some i'm like well maybe this will fit maybe it won't uh, there are a lot of different repeats on themes that kind of take it in different tonal directions. Yeah. I think that was the biggest struggle that I had with this is that looking at mine, most sci-fi art that you can find when you look for sci-fi is cool, big, dark sci-fi cyber aesthetic cities or spaceships. Yeah. With maybe a single person. Yeah. Which is, I think, because a lot of these kinds of stories are about isolation. Mm -hmm. And that is great and is, in fact, a theme that I want to talk about in this story. But it's isolation in contrast to the connection that these two characters used to have. Right. And the betrayal that they both feel the other one made to them. And, like, it was really hard to find... (laughs) hey, can we get, like, moments of that togetherness, of the thing that you're wishing for? Because I think at least at least so much of the sci-fi art that I was able to find, and, like, that was 15 minutes. There's probably more if I, and I probably will, because this was really fun, do more of a deep dive to be like, can I, what are the better search terms for, like, I just wanted, I wanted an image somewhere of two kids playing games on a spaceship. Or doing something, some something to talk about. Like, these are two people who grew up together. There is this connection. How do you show that connection? But also have a little bit of the aesthetic for the story in there. Because it's so different from just, like, modern or fantasy kinds of things that were a lot of the stuff that was coming up when I was, like, okay, sci-fi friends, sci-fi <laughs> love, sci-fi kids. And then, yeah, you just get, like, it is sci-fi pattern for your kids bedspread and like no i want kids in (laughs) sci-fi not sci-fi for kids those are different vibes yeah totally different vibes i think navigating the search terms are hard but also Mm. i think it's what the algorithm pulls up 
kind of also exposes some themes in our understanding as a culture. Yeah. Which can be really interesting, especially when you're maybe doing something that is at the edge of what is more mainstream. How do you, like, I feel like you kind of have to, like, for some of my other projects, I have different subboards. And what I want to do is I want to combine two images. And I you just kind of have to squint and blur it a little bit and say, no, this image actually happened in this setting. Uh, so there's, yeah. there's definitely room for yeah there's like points there where you can find that yeah what i did find interesting was because of the similarities like i don't feel like i fully captured all of the pieces that i want to that are important about this story but i felt like i was able to there were a couple of things that i felt like i was able to do because some of the pieces were so similar Mm. where there are two uh illustrations that i copied that are virtually the same shot of like inside a spaceship circular tunnel looking out into some sort of intersection in the spaceship yes and in one of them there's a tree growing and in one of them there's not mm-hmm. and I was like okay that feels like an interesting like having both of those here tells a different story yeah and then a lot of these have like very similar composition of like lone person looking out at the city but they're different people, which again, like can fit into that vibe of like these two main characters who are very alone in their different places and in their different ways. Yeah. Do you feel like the, I'm curious, because so many of the sci-fi concept art pieces that we see are, like you said, very moody and dark. Do you think that fits the tone of your story? Yes. I think, I think there's an air of, Doom is too strong of a word, I think, but that I want to hang over this. On (laughs) we. Probably one of the biggest things that I'm kind of wrestling with is that as soon as I came up with this, every time I would try to picture a scene, I pictured it from the, the, like, guy who ended up joining the army and is now chasing our, like, genderqueer scoundrel captain around. Mm. I always pictured everything from his perspective. And I don't know if I want to do that. The character I was going to play for this game was our genderqueer captain, not the, um, you know, sellout space army guy. Uh, But, like, he's not happy (laughs) with how anything really has turned Mm -hmm. out. And I think a key part for me of the way that these two people transitioned from being lovers to being enemies was that something happened that made them both feel like they betrayed each other right. you know they grew up on a ship together they had this relationship they were deeply in love they planned to both join the military something happened he joined they did not and they both feel that the other one betrayed them in that wow and then there's this like they've got to they've got to team up for something that is in honor of the shared past that they had before that mm-hmm break up a wedding from somebody who was a dick to them as kids we're still working on some of the details for that exactly but so they team up to do this thing but it becomes very much this like play of remembering all of these things that were great and beautiful and wonderful that are super not not available not accessible not rebuildable either like things that are just gone Mm -hmm. and wrestling with that and wanting to go back and knowing it's not possible and figuring out if there is a way to move forward. So the dark aesthetic, I think, is absolutely going to be there just in terms of tone. Yeah. But 
the story I'm envisioning is a lot less about environment. Mm -hmm. Like it is in a sci-fi setting because the the space captain and space military man. But that's like, it doesn't need to be. It just is because I'm enjoying that. And it has to, it allows me to play with fun alien things and all sorts of other stuff and, and set it in a place that interests me. But it is like a lot of at least the art that was coming up. It's so much about what does a sci-fi city look like? What does... And that is not something that like I'm super invested in getting into in this story. This isn't a story about how technology changes the Mm -hmm. future, which is what so much of like classic sci-fi stuff is about. It's just about people who are going to be the same even in a weird sci-fi future. Yeah, I think think that's changing in sci-fi as well. Which is interesting, but there's definitely mm-hmm. this, mm-hmm. there's definitely sometimes a heavy setting gadget focus in sci-fi. Looking at yours, there's so much, there's so many beautiful things in this board, Leah. Um, and I want to ask about the one that scares the shit out of me. Which is this one right here at the top with this terrifying ghost skeleton face and candle. There's a lot of ghosts <laughs> on this board. But that one's the only ghost that makes me be like, bad ghost, no. <laughs> um, curious if that. Yes. Curious about the tone that you're thinking of for this. <laughs> because there's a lot of, there's so many things here that like could be spooky and gothic or horror or could just be sort of whimsical, mystical kind of stuff. Yeah, I feel like as I progressed, this got darker. Um, <laughs> like you could see at the beginning mm-hmm. of, of the board it's like look at this warm little forest and oh my goodness is that a creature and here's a nice witch who's just uh sweeping good witch is vibing yeah good witch is vibing uh but i was really when i went to go i went back and i looked at the very first thing i pinned which is this kind Mm -hmm. of ghostly figure that almost looks like they're comprised of water and actually it appeared when I was looking for fantasy wells and I just pinned it because I thought it was kind of interesting I wasn't exactly sure how it fit Mm -hmm. and then as I continued pinning I couldn't stop thinking about it and that's when I paused and kind of wrote a little bit down in terms of the themes I was thinking about so I already have kind of been informed in my thinking by this exercise but I was thinking about Mm -hmm. how we can be haunted by what we choose to forget and yeah I was also thinking in my personal life uh, there's a friendship that I chose to end and I still think about that friendship and in some ways I'm haunted by that and that moving on is is hard and so mm-hmm. I was then thinking about the imprint different memories leave on us and what it means to leave it behind. And so I realized, oh, okay, so of course, like any magic, there's a cost. And the cost that is that you're going to be haunted in some way. And the question is, is the haunting mm. worth it? Can you truly forget and move on? You've made the choice to forget, but can you really? And what does that look like? Yeah. So I was thinking that could all lead up to maybe someone who decides that the hunting isn't worth it for whatever reason. And that's where kind of these 
increasingly ghostly images show up, some nice and some not so nice. And then I was also trying to visualize what a memory would look like. Uh, so this last mm -hmm. really creepy figure, I was thinking, is it, it could be someone doing the haunting. It could be someone that you have to make a deal with. I'm not quite sure how they fit or if they do fit, but it feels like the direction I'm mm -hmm. headed. Nice, nice, cool. I won't read your story before, but I don't know if I don't know if it'll um, be like truly like horror spooky, but no. Well, yeah, you'll you'll find your vibe, but um, I'm gonna picture this lady, so I'm not gonna read it before bed. Fair enough. You gotta do what you gotta do. So that's. I love all of these. I feel like you've got such interesting, different vibes here, which is cool. Is there, what do you think are the pieces of your story that are the most interesting to you? Like the things where you're like, yes, this is the idea I keep, you know, turning around in my mind, like some sort of sparkly stone or something. Like the thing where you're like, I keep coming back to, this is the, this is one of the things that's like really driving my yeah, interest I'm here. I'm really drawn to theme as a writer. I remember once I was told that that's mm -hmm. the worst place to start, but I can't help it. It's what I'm most interested in. Yeah. Worst for somebody yeah. else, sure. Yeah. If it gets you to start, that's kind of exactly. the number one most important thing uh, about starting. And so this kind of theme of of what memories are to us and what it means to forget, I'm really drawn to that and exploring different mm -hmm. ways it could play out. I think I'm also really drawn to the the scene where the person decides that they don't want to forget anymore and what that looks like. And finally, the images of memories. Mm -hmm. What does a fantastical rendition of a memory look like if I were the witch and I could see the memory that needs to be taken? How do those manifest? Yeah. What do they feel like? So that's what I'm most drawn to. What about you? Mm -hmm. I feel like the thing that is driving me for this piece is, it's funny. I think we're going to talk about mm -hmm. enemies to lovers more in depth soon. But um, I think the thing that is often really interesting to me about any sort of enemies to lovers stories is that a lot of times yeah. I don't feel like they're really enemies. Like there's people who are rival yeah. rivals to lovers is fairly common. And all these different things. And I think the reason for that is enemies is a hard... Yeah. Like, how do you get yeah. to enemies with a person? A level of mutual intensity of, of, of mm. this animosity. How do you build that? And I think a lot of times the thing that I think I'm most interested in this story is I think you build it by, by having an intensity of other emotion that goes sour. Right. Like this is uh, this is part of why my one of my favorite plays of all time and the one of the greatest movies I think of all time is all still The Lion in Winter. Have you seen that? No. Old movie. I cannot recommend it enough. It's like Catherine Hepburn, Peter O'Toole. Great movie based on based on a play that is about like Eleanor of Aquitaine and King Henry, but it's a story about this family that's the whole 
the whole show is about emotions and it's entirely possible that nobody says a single fully true sentence in the entire show. You never get a lot of that stuff confirmed. And the main, like the, the thing that for me is the main draw and I think is really the main draw of the play is the relationship between uh, Henry and Eleanor who are perfect for each other in that they're both despicable, manipulative bastards who are, uh, I think, deeply in love with each other, but cannot possibly, like, they're constantly betraying, tricking, lying to one another such that it's genuinely like, Mm -hmm. I don't even know if you know what's true anymore. And there's something about that dynamic that I find, it's, I mean, it's so painful, but it's so compelling to be like, how can you find things that are simultaneously so beautiful Mm -hmm. and so irreparably broken. And I think that to me is like the interesting thing about this is this is a story about two people who became enemies, which is a hard thing to do. How do you get there? And this opportunity, this like team up is more than anything else, an opportunity to examine that and to have some things get said that never got explicitly said, but that have been simmering for Mm -hmm. years since this break. But like, it really, it's, I want to explore how those things come together, how those things build, how you create that kind of thing, and how they never really, like, there's always echoes of all of it in itself. Like, you can't, these are, these are people who are absolutely enemies and have spent, I don't know, maybe 10 years just like trying to torture or capture each other. But also like there's still that same sort of draw mm-hmm. that there was back when they were once in love. I that's the kind of paradox that I just eat for breakfast. That's <laughs> I'm all over it. <laughs> We're back to paradoxes again. I I never leave them. Never really. <laughs> never never. <laughs> To me, it kind of seems like we've both, in our own way, talked about the questions that drive us to write. Like, I think it seems mm-hmm. like we're both are really fascinated by a certain dynamic or idea, and there are things that we won- wonder about that mm-hmm. we want to explore. Maybe on the flip side, I'm wondering, are there any answers that you need to have before you start Um as an example, some authors need to know the beginning and ending. Some authors need to know certain things about their characters, like what they're afraid of, what they want versus what they need. Are these the types of things that you feel you need to have answers to before you start drafting? Um, I think there's, I think I need definitely some pieces. But I also feel like sometimes it's different pieces every time. It's, maybe it's not really. I don't know. It's funny. I feel like as soon as you started asking that question, I started thinking about uh, jigsaw puzzles, which I love to bits. And how it's like, I do the outside edge first, as I think many people do. Mm-hmm. As like part of a ritual almost, even when it's like you're like looking for those last two pieces, you've got a whole box full of puzzle pieces <laughs> that could go in the middle, but there's like yeah. a determination to get those pieces in place. And I try sometimes to like, maybe we'll just trust those pieces will come back. But it's it's like a really important part of the jigsaw process. I do feel like I need to know some piece of what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times that includes an ending. 
not necessarily always mm-hmm. or still not necessarily in detail. Like, I don't know what the end of this story looks like, but I know they don't get back together. Like, I know that this ends with they, you know, they succeed at, at their at their plan together. There's a moment of elation, which really just serves to remind them both of how this is not the mm-hmm. way that either of them mm-hmm. wanted to be with each other. And that things come out and things are said, but like, then what? How does that, what is the, the, the end, the button of the scene? I don't know, but I know where it needs to go, which is, this is an exploration of these characters. This is just talking about their journey and like this reflective looking back and then having things come out that didn't come out before. That's kind of an ending. But more than anything else, it feels like it's I I have a direction, right? Like I know the direction the story is going in and a place to point so that then I can kind of figure out the rest of the pieces as far as like where's an interesting starting point? Where do we want to go along the way? And hopefully find a nice good button for after you're like, ah, I did the scene that was cool. What's the what's the last note, though, of this song? How do you leave it? I don't know. There's um. There's times where I haven't started stories until I've had that piece. But more often than not, I feel like I can have a sense of where I want it to go by the end. And then the best endings I've come up with, I think, are ones that I found along the way. Yeah, because you sounds to me like you discover more things about the story as you write it. Yeah, I think generally... I don't know. If I sit with it long enough, sometimes, yeah, I think you can come up with an ending if you, like, delay the writing process. If it's one of those stories you just kind of let simmer in your head for a long enough time. But I'm trying to practice not being afraid of starting, so that happens less and less. <laughs> yeah, that's a good place to be in. I think I need to, could use some of that as well. Uh, but I do kind of want to yeah. violate that that practice this time no yeah I was gonna say what what about you what do you what do you what do you need Um, when you're starting a story usually what I often find is as I start a story I've usually just got caught up in one scene and then I have to build from that and sometimes I Mm -hmm. keep writing from there and sometimes I pause so sometimes the answer is nothing uh just whatever caught my fancy (laughs) and I build from there um, but as I go on, I think it's like I really do need to get a sense of the heart of the story um, and revisit that repeatedly. And s- similarly, mm-hmm. I think I need to have a sense of the direction. Like, how is this problem going to be solved? How is this theme going to be explored? And I have to have a sense of that. Otherwise, I just I can't do it. Um and then I kind of build other things around that. But it's like you said, it's I find it's sometimes different for each project. Certain projects feel lighter than others yeah. in some ways. They need less thinking up front. Mm. Um, they feel less fraught. So it just depends. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think I think what you were saying too reminded me like there also feels to me like there's There's projects where I think of them as like, Mm -hmm. I'm drafting this project now, which means that I've decided it's a project. I have an intention to create something. And then there's times when it's like, like more of the flash fiction kind of thing where it's like, I did a writing exercise 
And this is really interesting, and I don't have anything else yet. I just wrote a bit of dialogue or a scene or a metaphor that's really interesting to me, and it implies yeah. a world or it implies a story. Mm-hmm. And I want to return to that. And I think that, like, for for when when I'm in that mode of like I'm just playing around, I, yeah, you can I can go back to that stuff with nothing, and be like, yes, how do I build on this one scene I wrote between two characters, and. That's awesome and great enough. But often then if I'm like sitting down to be like, this is a project and I'm beginning my drafting process, I want a little bit more in place. And I think that's also, I think that's probably fair and fine. Mm. Like, I think that's a lot of how our brains work is like things have different kinds of pressure and we're better at different things when we aren't taking it as seriously. And we're better at other things when we are taking it seriously. So like... When you're just trying to play, it's fine if you're like, well, I don't super have the direction yet. That doesn't mean you can't touch pen to paper. But I, I do find a lot of times, yeah, for those, for projects that are, I, I love the heavier metaphor or for projects that they're heavier because mm-hmm. I'm more focused on them right now. I want more things in place, at least directionally before I start. But there's still plenty of little, you know, plot fairies floating around in my brain. Occasionally I just take them out and play with them and Mm -hmm. that can be by doing some writing that just still is unmoored from anything but I'm not thinking about that as drafting yet because I haven't I haven't turned to really pick up that project in that way yeah put pen to paper so to speak Mm -hmm. something that I thought could be interesting and that I've never done before is maybe if we could take some time now and generate a few beginnings maybe a few sentences and then a few endings And part of the reason why I'd love to do that is because I kind of want to reflect in future episodes on what changed and I think um, how our thinking changed. I want to preserve that moment. So how would you feel about that? I would like that. Very intimidated at the idea of trying to write multiple beginning and ending sentences because those scare me the most of probably all sentences. But it's therefore probably a good thing to practice being like, write a bunch of them many of them will be bad that's okay (laughs) yep can just throw them out and really just having some fun writing something kind of interesting all right so i'm going to set two five minute timers one for writing a few beginnings and one for writing a few endings and then we'll come back and we'll discuss the whole thing yeah all right and go that's time again okie dokie so welcome back. How was that experience? Hi. <laughs> this beginning and ending sentences are hard. Mm. They're hard, at least for me. I tend to find them better after I've already written most of the middle stuff. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, I found I generated like seven beginning sentences off the bat. Mm-hmm. And then the ending sentences. Oof. Yeah. It, it's just so much harder because I, I'm like, well, I don't know what happens. How can I say? But I probably want to try it because I wonder if that'll help me mm-hmm. end things in a way or not get so yeah. precious about endings because you can always decide something's your ending and then actually be like, mm, maybe I need another 20 pages or maybe I need fewer pages. Um, so not getting so attached to these points as something that yeah. need to be defined. Yeah, I think a lot of times, too, 
exercises like this can be really helpful to give you a sense of like what am I what am I trying to get at in this beginning or in this ending right like mm-hmm. I didn't come up with as many beginnings because it took me longer to get out of my head about finding the right words because that's the thing is like you really want to wordsmith your opening and your closing sentences but that's not the purpose yeah. of a write a bunch of beginnings and endings in five minutes as an exercise so it like took me a little bit to get over that mm-hmm. so I didn't write anywhere near as many beginnings as I did endings so that was when I'd finally warmed up but the oh, endings are bad in terms of wordsmithing because I wasn't thinking in those terms yeah. I won't use any of these as like the basis for the actual final sentence, I don't think, because I don't like any of these as sentences. But looking at them very much was like, okay, I am getting more of a sense of the note that I want to leave off on, mm-hmm. right? Not not how it's going to read, not what the actual words are going to be, but the tone of the moment. At least I have some sense of some of the ideas that are most interesting to me as a point of ending. Yeah. These are not them. But <laughs> it's, it's you know, I, it feels like I was throwing, you know, darts at the thing that I want. And I can start to extrapolate where the bullseye is based on these, like, wildly imperfect shots. Yeah, you can't see where the bullseye is, but this mm-hmm. helps you figure out where the bullseye is not. Yeah, you're like, it's not there, but it's not there, but I'm clustering around this idea, so it's something in here somewhere. Yeah. What was interesting about my endings is that two of them were very different tones, but mm-hmm. both were interesting. And then the third, I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> I finished writing it, and I was like, already, immediately, no. Immediately, no. <laughs> I love it. Um, Another thing that was interesting is that, hands down, I think the only one of these that I really, really like is the first one. The first thing that I wrote of this. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, I'll I'll share it. Um, He was dreaming of antimony when they returned to him. Their voice static marred on an encrypted device. One of his ensigns found clipped to his lapel after shore leave. I was like, all right, that feels, it's one sentence. But that already, I'm like, all right, that feels like the vibe that I want for this. And it's not the worst sentence I've ever written, whereas a lot of these other ones are contenders for that title. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get the, get the vibe already. And you you're immediately get a sense of the setting and the type of person this is. Mm-hmm. And you already kind of know what's causing him misery right off the bat. <laughs> uh, although you don't know it's causing him misery at the moment, but you know what the focal point will be in terms of a person. Yeah, I think that's that's always something that I really love about really good first sentences is how many things can you tease in without having it be a nightmarish run-on sentence or particularly in the genres that I love to write in, right? Both fantasy and sci-fi can run the risk of, you know, I think there was a TikTok going around about recently where it's just like this like wall of words you don't, are like made up words and strangely capitalized words where it's like, of course, John was uh, overdue for the cleaving of the upside down in the, you know, and you're like, what the, I don't know what any of this. <laughs> oh, it was, uh, 
there's a clip of someone who is like, this is what reading sci-fi is like sometimes. And yeah. <laughs> and like definitely. Out with his mind glove. Right. <laughs> and that's definitely a thing that you can run and do. So it's not like, oh, well, you got to tease everything and like have it all. But it is fun for like, and I think you can see that for a lot of the like, you know, the classic opening sentences that I think get like tossed around a lot, you know, it, 1984 and the whole like the clock striking 13 and you're like okay something's that tells you immediately something's off about this world it's like our world but not and that Mm -hmm. is a very small thing but a core theme of 1984 is this is the world we could be it's kind of like our world but not pride and prejudice just absolutely (laughs) classic ridiculousness and satire yeah yeah I think I think my favorite opening line that I like keep and return to a lot of times is actually the opening line to Grapes of Wrath, which is just also so beautiful in its simplicity. Like it's it it sets up the the main focal point of like the tension of this drought that is going to drive your characters to react, but more than anything, it kind of sets up this sort of like rhythmic tone, the simplistic language. It's really fun what you can communicate in, you know, a sentence, a first sentence. It it It's funny that we've been talking so much about poetry because it feels like that's really where, you know, that kind of stuff comes in is how much can you say in one or two sentences? Yes. How can you set the tone and maybe introduce a problem that could drive the reader forward? Mm-hmm. I kind of used the beginning sentences as an opportunity to play in tone and figure out I have one that's very irreverent I have some in first person some Mm -hmm. in third different tenses I don't really know how I feel about any of them but I wrote two endings and I'm not sure the wordsmithing isn't quite there but I think are both really interesting ideas totally branch off in different ways and one of them yeah sure one of them actually made me rethink the story in a new mm. way. Yeah. And so I wrote, and so here I am, and here I have always been, and here I will continue to be until someone else wishes to remember. Mm. And I thought about what if there was always a witch and each generation or so, and no one ever knows who it's going to be, but there's always a witch. And... The next witch, as it turns out, is whoever comes to the current witch and is like, I want to remember. I don't want to just keep forgetting everything. Wow. And that's how you become the witch. Everyone else in the village just keeps forgetting. And it's the person who's the drive to remember. I love that. One, it feels like it's a great, I felt like from what you were saying before, you were a little bit like, what drives them? Where do we go? This is an idea, but what do I want to say about it? And it feels like that opens up so many interesting avenues for talking about the power of having remembered but also Mm -hmm. maybe being trapped by that also or the interesting dynamic of finally having decided that you're going to claim remembering and then all you do for however long is help everyone else forget Mm -hmm. that's i like that that sounds very cool yeah i really like this idea and the other The other one I wrote was, come now, I told the girl, what is memory but a bit of fiction anyway? What we imagine and what we remember are not so different. Mm. Um, And that one really came from 
this aspect of like, well, what if she can't regain the memory mm-hmm. and thinking about how memories decay and how painful that decay can be. And so I kind of ended on a more comforting note, like, yes, but, you know, memory is always a little bit of imagination anyway, so it'll be okay. Yeah. Have you read, there's a Ted Chiang short story that I cannot remember the title of the individual story, but I believe it was in his collection, Exhalation, mm. um, that I think you might really enjoy. The premise of it is it's written from the perspective of like a tech journalist who's writing about, um, it's, it's, a, it's a modern setting, but it, the idea is that technology has advanced such that um, basically everyone is wearing, I forget if they're like glasses or an implanted device, but something that records all of their memories. Mm. And this journalist is writing about the impact on society, people who've adopted it, people who haven't. And it becomes a lot about investigating the impact on interpersonal relationships of having recordings of memories, mm-hmm. both in terms Oof. of like who the journalist is interviewing. Like there's a really great scene where he goes and interviews a couple Right, where the wife's like, I can finally prove that I'm the one who remembered it correctly and all of this kind of stuff. And wow, does that make our relationship stronger for having a record or weaker because we can't build these things together? And then it also starts to become a little bit about some of the journalist's own life and story. It's a fascinating, uh, beautiful short story uh, that also feels like it might be interesting as you're thinking about this and those ideas of like, what we actually remember and the ways that our memory is fallible. If that's a, if one, always a great short story and mm. a great collection, always recommended. But if those are ideas that you're thinking about for this, I would also highly recommend. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. So thank you for that recommendation. Maybe. Right. So I know we have spent a lot of good time generating some excitement, getting a little bit less precious about some of our beginnings and endings Mm -hmm. and maybe in the process figuring out what it is we really want to say is there anything else that you want to explore in this episode before we go off write our draft and then come back and get ready to revise um I don't think much except that I do feel like one thing I do want to say is I feel like this whole process is very much clarified for me like your question at the beginning about like what what do you need to like get you excited or get you started or to to build excitement Mm. and this idea of like what do you need to start I think there's a duality and they often they often coincide but there's two different things here which is like what do you need in order to write the story and the what do you need in order to sit with the story and play with it or work on it or return to it or whatever your process looks like like there's there's a, the process by which you build on and actually write and construct the narrative. And then there's the process by which you convince yourself not to give up on the narrative. <laughs> and again, a lot of times it's fun because it feels like a lot of these tools help with both of those, mm-hmm. right? The Pinterest board is something you can look back on to be like, what is the core of this? Let me refocus on what is important in this narrative. And that'll help me build a narrative that is focused and driven and goes to a place and tells a really clear story but more than but it's also very useful for just when you're like 
I don't know. What is this even a good idea? What am I going to do? And then you're like, oh, yeah, this is a good vibe. I want I want to return to this world. And I think that that's it's I think it's good to acknowledge that like those are both things. They're dual tracks that we need to do is like you need to build the narrative that you're trying to tell. You also are going to have to spend some time motivating yourself to do that. Like playing your brain is its own game before you even start telling your story. And it's cool when you can find things that manage to help do both. But like those are two different things going on. Yeah, I think it's the maybe to put it in another way that it's building yourself as a writer is also building your story. And by building mm-hmm. yourself as a writer, I don't mean taking courses, but taking care of yourself and finding that joy, which we keep talking about, mm-hmm. maintaining it, looking at different ways to generate some of that inspira- inspiration and play in it. And in doing so, what happened today is you might change how you think about your story. You might feel more dedicated to it and be like, yeah, this is really the heart of the story. This is where I want to go. So these exercises are not just good for maybe generating some plot ideas, but for generating some writing confidence. Yeah, some motivation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We love it. Maybe the, I don't know, I'm trying to think of like a, uh, like the maybe a successful writing was just the building yourself up along the way type of thing. Are you trying to wordsmith the final sentence of this podcast episode? Because <laughs> yes. Uh, yes, we could just read some of these <laughs> terrible ones. And uh... <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it it really does feel like you as you build the story, you build yourself too. Well, on that note, thank you so much for wandering around with us today and playing with building blocks, building some things up, knocking some things down. Hopefully building yourself up in the process. Hey! (laughs) As always, we'd love to hear from you. If you did this exercise, let us know. You can find us on Twitter at WorkTitlePod. That's at WorkTitlePod. Bye! Bye!